Today in TFC Stock Geeka, we're going to explore a company that is the big brother of digital payment, a company that was born out of a need to facilitate faster, safer payments across the internet as a, some sort of a product offering for its consumers. The company has since moved on with the user developer ecosystem and white labeling their solutions for other companies to write on. In other words, you may be using different payment solutions, but they all may be using this platform to facilitate those payments. But in a highly competitive space of payments today, with all sorts of new solutions, can they continue to thrive into the future? So joining me today to geek out on PayPal is our in-house stock and tech geek, Thomas Teo. PayPal was a solution for eBay for all of you that didn't know. Time before huge shopping apps, eBay was the platform to go to. And it has since been spun off eBay and uh, doing its own thing now, right? With uh, no longer obligated to solely provide <laughs> eBay only. And it has since provided solutions for Uber, Shopify, just to name a few. PayPal has long argued that cash is its biggest enemy, but is it still the case with crypto and other payment solutions like Stripe, Wise, Revolut? Can they stay relevant and keep growing? For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on 10th of July 2021. Our discussion today is solely for education and statement purposes only. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Join our Telegram group for continued discussion and let's geek out. Happy to be back with you again today. Um, I think we have talked about a lot of tech companies, big and small, and we'll continue to kind of chug along since um, mm. tech is still a very big thing. You know, uh, It will always be a big thing like, because I think the word tech is more synonymous with uh, new progress, change, development, and all that jazz, right? But as of today, I think you can kind of see that tech is not a monolith, like, right? It's not like all mm. tech is tech. We're seeing very big uh, social media platforms, streaming consumption, and today we're going to talk about one of the biggest uh, payment guys in the space. Right, So they form a pretty unique uh, situation in the whole payment space. Uh, they're not like the guys that lay the land cables, not Visa, not Masters, but they <laughs> have uh, one of the forefathers of digital payment. And the company is... PayPal. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we normally see PayPal as some of like the checkout options when we buy on uh, some e-commerce platforms or, or some of these like block shops that you see. Um, for those that use uh, eBay a lot, I think that's where you actually encounter it. Um, mm, block shop, yeah, block so, shop is so indicative mm. of the era we are from. <laughs> like you say block, <laughs> block shop is like, ah, okay, yeah, you're from the 90s. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. originally it starts from so those kind of like uh, fashion stores, no, run by bloggers yes, and all yes, that, yes. and then it has yes, been involved yes, yes. into uh, now your Instagrammers, your TikTokers, and all that, right? Actually, mm. that's the evolution of the trend. Uh. You you really see a lot of individuals um, creating a lot more through all these kind of different uh, channels uh, or outlets, and uh, at the end of the day, they want to sell stuff, right? And you need some kind of gateway to help these uh, merchants to actually sell their wares. Yeah. So PayPal sits on top of that, um, on top of the, the food chain. Like they have one of the largest market shares in the world. Um, they started out actually just catering to the eBay market because they needed a, a, a gateway to handle that. Um, well, you might be thinking like, hey, how come eBay can't build their own? Well, they couldn't. <laughs> so it was a difficult problem to solve back then. Uh, you needed some kind of sophisticated infrastructure, especially with all the regulatory requirements. Um, you have things uh, called escrow, 
Uh, now it's like commonplace really in a lot of different payment platforms. You have a lot of fintech starting up here and there also. But uh, basically, PayPal was the first to really crack it. And um, they really executed well. And um, that's where you see PayPal today. Lah. Eventually, they split out of eBay. Right? So there used to be one company right. listed under eBay. And uh, after that, um, I think there was some pretty hostile uh, takeover kind of thing, like hostile splits. Mm. And they decide to, to uh, the whole company's kind of split apart. And eBay has since... Uh, Gone to trash as a company, <laughs> but uh, but but I think I think things are changing. Things are changing. Uh, I recently saw the eBay numbers. Uh, it's pretty interesting. We can definitely talk about eBay another time. But today, focusing on PayPal, I think one of mm. the more interesting elements of uh, the company is definitely who who founded it. Like who started this company? Like this company, and they're quite a superstar. Uh, repertoire, you know, <laughs> from from your mm. famous Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and and what have you, right? What what are your thoughts on having uh, this kind of uh, team behind uh, the founding guys? Yeah, they have a really strong uh, management team back then and and even now. Um, so basically, the two founders were Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. Uh, actually, they were from separate payment companies, and then they decided to actually join forces because it makes mm. sense. Um, and um, under Elon Musk, the, the, the payments name was called X.com. So he just wanted it to be like the network of all payments uh, to come together. That was his grand vision. And then Peter Thiel was uh, just basically also doing the same thing. Um, but they didn't, they, they, they were smart enough to know that it w- wouldn't make sense to actually fight each other. And in a, in a place like Silicon Valley, right, there were a lot of other people are just trying to do the same thing and fighting for that small market at that time, although growing very fast. Um, this was in the 2000s, right? And maybe even early 1990s. Uh, so back then, e-commerce was just a thing. Websites were a thing. Uh, you, you didn't have a lot of uh, mobile applications back then. Everything just transacted on your browser. Even though the, the technology were quite rudimentary um, as compared to now, you still have quite sophisticated scammers. You still have quite sophisticated uh, uh, fraud going on. And this is commonplace. Uh. So you need all these uh, checks and balances in place in order for people to trust transacting online. Uh, I think back then also people weren't so comfortable putting their credit card online. They say like, yeah, you buy from e-commerce, or you get like someone like scam you yes, or you get like the yes, order yes. doesn't get delivered and all that. So what PayPal did differently is seller protection and also uh, in some element buyer protection from there. So there is a guarantee whereby if you want your goods returned, right, you can actually force through this escrow payment, right, to actually get your money back. And mm-hmm. if there's no resolution within uh, a certain day or period, right, uh, you will definitely get your money back. So it's on the owners of the sellers to actually provide good services. At the same time, also um, for fraud protection, right, for seller side of things, they have the ability to uh, contend against this. So this mechanism, right, it, it sounds like, oh, yeah, very simple. I just have to do a call customer service and all that. But behind the scenes, there's all these kinds of infrastructure that's supporting that. Um, and imagine that is really being done uh, back then. So this is quite powerful because it adds an element of trust. And trust is something that is difficult to, to actually get on the internet. Um, it's like really just a cowboy town back then. Uh. And um, mm-hmm. even now that trust has grown into uh, PayPal uh, as a brand. So that's very, very strong. Um, the infrastructure is also very strong and um, people just, it's the go-to thing, right? Especially in the US, in the UK to actually transact on PayPal. Of course, you have many different kind of fintech that's starting up now. Oh, you have Payment Gateway X, you have like a wallet uh, name something else, you have like 
transfer vice, transfer wise, wise, and then you have a lot of different variations of it. Lah. It's getting very, very easy to go and start off in tech, but they are all fighting for the, the, the pie which actually PayPal dominates. Lah. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. maybe like mm-hmm. little, little segments of it. Um, it also goes to show that the market is growing, right? So payment space, you don't talk about just global, you talk about local because uh, regulatory requirements are very, very localized. Um, some payment markets are so not entirely on credit or not entirely on bank transfers. They actually use cash. So you have payment gateways just catering for that. Some payment gateways also is uh, solely on mobile only, which uh, they want to skip the browser element entirely and then just go straight to a phone. And then uh, you've got other players, uh, like let's say the bigger players that like you can't ignore, say like Google Pay, Apple Pay, um, Amazon Pay is trying to come up with their own credit card also. Uh, and all just trying to, to, to secure this space. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, um, it's all done through the internet. Um, it's which market you want to look at. And today in particular, we look at PayPal. So it's more for digital and uh, for mobile. Mm-hmm. PayPal is uh, pretty dominant in the space for sure. But they have been uh, going through quite a lot of stuff. And uh, I mean, they've, they've acquired Venmo and they have uh, done a lot more innovation in their space. right? So it's not just like, not just the traditional understanding of PayPal as uh, this digital checkout thing only. Right, they have done a lot of other things that we can kind of dabble as we go along. But uh, maybe before we go there, right, I just want to dig your brain a little bit about how uh, some of the cryptocurrencies enable kind of platforms. Uh, how is it going to potentially challenge PayPal? Do you think PayPal is just going to like still dominate this thing? Because PayPal's gas fees are very high. You know, the the charges mm. that they charge are extremely high. You know, for everybody that don't mm. know, they're one of the premium providers. Right, so mm. higher than Stripe, higher than higher than a lot of the guys. <laughs> but people still use them. <laughs> Right, so um, what are your take with all these cheaper options coming in and uh, all this cryptography coming in? I think it's okay um, because at the end of the day, PayPal still has one of the largest uh, payment volumes that's done online. And the mm. transaction is always two ways, right? Uh, so maybe someone is, has a cryptocurrency already and then they have to sell it to, a, to, to, to buy uh, like real currency. Vice versa, uh, someone wants to do the opposite trade, right? They want to buy or they sell that currency to get the crypto. Uh, or transacting for in exchange for some kind of item. Lah. So um, there's always two sides to that coin. Uh, PayPal, first and foremost, they want to apply to the merchants, right? They want to give that good service to the merchants so that they can help consumers make it easier for them to join transact. And at, in that being said, they also make it easier for consumers to transact using some kind of crypto, lah, maybe Bitcoin. So mm. when you have this large network already, uh, it doesn't really matter that uh, the gas fees are high or whichever, right? Because for the merchants, they just know that, oh, consumers want to transact and they're asking like, can you offer uh, crypto or not? Crypto X, Y, Z, la. And PayPal will just say, yeah, pay my gas fees, la. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and it's actually okay. It's actually okay because uh, that's the go-to option already because of that trust factor. That brand is really so strong that like, consumers just, ah, yeah, just pay a little bit, la. it's okay. But it's a different mm. story if, say, like the consumers or, or rather the traders, uh, they want to use this as a way to go and trade. Then definitely that won't be possible because the fees are high, the transaction fees are high. Um, it's really arbitrage away by PayPal. Mm. So mm. it's not something where traders will use to transact or to exchange between uh, um, different currencies, whether it's a real one or uh, for cryptocurrencies. Uh, if you want to do that, then there's other fintech options, as you mentioned. Uh, so those will be your different kinds of crypto wallets or your crypto exchanges. Uh, that's the best way to actually do it. And you can actually do that to uh, find some kind of way to up between the cryptocurrencies as a trade, right? And then use it mm-hmm. to try and cheapen your costs when you transact uh, with the merchant. 
I mean, you can do a convoluted one like that, lah. Yeah, but uh, that that's more of a trading side of things, really, rather than actually mm. just purchasing mm. an item online. Yeah, yeah. But I gotta say, I gotta say, as someone that use Stripe and PayPal, I mean, we're a company, right? So we do use mm. both of them. Um, the onboarding process for PayPal is much easier, much mm. much mm. easier mm. than Stripe. Stripe requires me to do a lot of uh, connecting here, connecting there, yep. you know. But Stripe is already one of the easiest. There are even shittier ones. But PayPal mm. is just, you create an account, uh, I validate that your account is uh, trustworthy. That means I deposit some sort of money and it works. Okay, can, mm. good enough. Then we can mm. move. So I think um, by volume, by everything, they are they are pretty interesting uh, company. Yeah, right? And I'm, mm. I always thought like people would just kind of adopt the cheaper ones as more and more these options come out. But no, you're seeing the the rigor and the kind of stickiness. I don't know why it's so sticky, but it's... Uh, a lot of merchants are still sticking to PayPal, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, let's mm. let's talk a little bit about their major business model, like what their major processes. I know over time they've acquired different different payment format, but there's probably a certain way to look at this whole business. Uh, what mm. what are your thoughts? So their primary way of making money is through charging a fee for the transaction, right? So the transaction volume is an important thing that they want to increase. The other thing is also the uh, the quality. Um, or rather the size. So per transaction, right, it should be a large size. Uh. So like uh, rather than mini, mini payments of $5, they'd rather have like a few payments of like 5000 right, because they take mm. a percentage of that as well, uh, plus the fees on top. So for that to happen, uh, they want to have the ability to actually cater to more uh, higher value merchants, right, transacting in certain kinds of size. And that means uh, a certain level of trust that's needed for the consumer to transact that amount. So um, you wouldn't find people buying condominiums online. Not yet, right? That's not common yet. Maybe a car, that's already been happening, right? Through, through, mm-hmm. through platforms like Caro and things like that. But maybe even smaller size than that, uh, say it's like a handbag, Gucci handbag, 6,000, 7,000, right? That's possible, yeah. And um, that's already being enabled. It's something that they want to keep growing. So trust is one thing. They do not want to have uh, cock-ups in their system. That's the first thing, right? So infra is important. Tech aside, the regulatory adherence is also important because in each of the countries which they operate in, they must follow the law. So they have their different kinds of adherence that they need to do according to the license that they have. So when they get a license to operate there already, they need to follow that certain um, stringent kinds of uh, checks and balances. So things like having enough, I won't say margin, but more like cash at hand to cater for the amount of balances right, that is going in and out uh, when you're transacting regarding that merchant and regarding uh, where the person actually belongs to. Another aspect will be fraud. There are certain kinds of checks that the country needs these um, licensed operators like PayPal right, to actually have. Uh, automated, of course, but uh, sometimes when you enter into a new country, you have to go and start from scratch. Yeah. Uh, there are also other aspects. Uh, so uh, one example that PayPal has encountered is like Israel versus Gaza. So there's a lot of political sensitivity there. So Israel can just say like, oh, you want to operate in my country, right? Okay, block all wallets and payments that comes to and fro Gaza. Yeah, so mm. <laughs> it, they can just conduct an investigation, right? And, and say that, okay, from this audit trail, there were a lot of these um, transactions actually come from Gaza and there were actually a lot of people that um, funded anonymously to opponents lah, of a certain state. Mm. Uh, and this could happen also, like say, like between India, and Pakistan, uh, Russia, and US, and all, all these kind of things are. Uh, it's a kind of like a proxy also. So, as a major process for PayPal, it's also one of the major risks. 
anytime they could actually be locked up. Um, you don't see mm. PayPal operating much in China. Uh, <laughs> so that's dominated by like, WeChat, uh, Alipay, uh, and, and, and things like that for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, country risk is definitely is something that is very uh, tied to PayPal. And they have different sets of issues uh, uh, as compared to say like payments companies that just operate in one country uh, versus another. Yeah. So it's always uh, looking at uh, payments, where do they come from and where is it going to? So it's almost like there's always country risk on, on two, two legs. Yeah. Mm. So um, cross-border fees also is something that they want uh, to look at. They're pushing hard for that. Pushing very hard yeah. for cross-border fees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, reducing the ones that they, they, they have to actually go through if it goes through the um, like other payment processors or the credit cards and things like that. That automatically improves their margin. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, they want to push up theirs, <laughs> but there's only so much that they can go if there's other competition that's coming in. But uh, regardless, I think it's still a fat margin, uh, which we can discuss about metrics later on. Um, these are the things that they have to take care of on a daily basis. Uh. Um, mm. Yeah, but as the, as the, as the company grows, um, this just becomes more and more of a maintenance thing as more and more of this gets automated. Uh, it's going to be a problem if they don't automate this. Yeah, because regulations always change. There's going to be more and more that stacked on top of each other. Uh, as much as possible, being flexible enough to accommodate this will be important. Uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, pretty stable, pretty comfortable. Yeah, it's just like they've really gotten so much market share. Already, right? It's just like make sure that they don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> they're huge. They're huge. Right. I think mm. the I think half half the global markets or something like that. But yeah, what, right. what are some of the what are some of their core products there? I mean those are, these are the processes, right? Essentially, mm. um some of these things that people don't know are part of the payment process. Like you should you should be aware of it when you're trying to evaluate a, a payment company. But yep. for PayPal alone, I think they have a few products that uh, kind of center their business on. You know, uh, do we want to walk through some of those products? Sure. So, so maybe we can divide it by the type of users. There's two types, right? Uh, merchants and the consumers. So on the merchant side, um, let's say you go into an e-commerce store and then um, you just see like, okay, uh, pay through PayPal or pay through credit card, pay through something else. So when you see like pay through PayPal, right, that in its form is a product that PayPal gives to the merchants called a payment uh, processing. So payments mm-hmm. processing is when these merchants can accept these uh, in-store payments or exactly uh, as a gateway, right? So if it's uh, in-store payments, basically it's a retail side, like a point of sales. If it's a payment gateway, that means it's accepting through online medium, uh, through the internet. So it can be, internet could be on the website, internet could be also on the mobile side of things. And uh, for the consumers, it will be their wallets, digital wallets. They could actually transfer to other consumers as well. So that's peer-to-peer. And then, of course, using the balance inside their PayPal wallet to uh, transact the merchants and also using connecting with their credit card. So PayPal is being used as a gateway instead. Yeah, so there's different ways where uh, these transactions can happen. And of course, um, transacting through the wallet will be best because then basically PayPal is a free float of uh, just cash sitting <laughs> in the wallets there. Yeah. Mm. Maybe just say like, oh, you need a minimum of $20 inside your PayPal wallet before you can withdraw anything. So anything below that, right, it's free for them to go and use really. Uh, in other mm-hmm. ways, uh, of course, uh, uh, concerning each country and all that, that's very, very possible. Yeah. Uh, so these are the, the, the major products which they actually work on. At the end of the day, it's just transactions. 
right? The more transactions that happen, the larger the value of these transactions, they're just going to make more money. Your cost is really basically, it's, it's either constant or just very linear. Fair, fair. And I think for a lot of people that don't understand the whole like Venmo business or the, <laughs> essentially it's like WeChat Pay, Alipay. Uh, it's a pretty interesting space where people are transacting within the ecosystem in a different token in that sense. Now, nothing, nothing crypto-like, but it's just when you work within the Venmo ecosystem, when I send money to you in Venmo, the money actually still stays in Venmo. The money does mm. not leave the Venmo ecosystem. Right? So then that provides the float, provides the, the kind of uh, all the interesting things that they can play on top of it. Right? And uh, that's, the, that's the pretty fun part. Which is why uh, I think the Chinese government is trying to climb down. And if you have one entity that gathers so much of the country's money, then you render your country's currency um, you know, under, under these guys. And so they control the whole thing, essentially. And so that's a mm. pretty interesting space. And don't underestimate the network effect of what Venmo can do. And why I keep saying Venmo? Because they're the biggest in the, in the West uh, so far. At least in the US, they're much bigger than Square, much bigger than anyone else. Uh, and yeah, PayPal bought it quite a while ago. I think the dangerous thing also is that if there's um, unregulated transactions or things that cannot be traced back to an individual, right? This makes the government's job a lot harder and there's a lot of um, hidden transactions. Basically, fraud or, or even like money laundering and all that is it's very easy to do, especially if you can't trace it back. So for payments processors, payment gateways and all that, this is like their prime uh, area which they need to go and sort out with the government. And if basically regulatory risk uh, is, is, is combined with the country risk. So anytime, say, like, it doesn't have to be China, right? It can just be a country saying, like, okay, you just need to have a lot more reporting requirements on right? all these transactions that's being done through crypto. Yeah, that's it. Uh, your cost is just going to increase, right? Mm-hmm. Or anytime you say, like, okay, block all transactions that come from uh, country X, Y, Z regarding crypto. Yeah, and then that's it. So there goes your, 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 your flow of transactions, really. Yeah, so... Um, Although there's these kind of uh, new markets which they're entering into uh, for PayPal, crypto uh, transactions and all that, uh, be very aware of the risk also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good to know. But at the core, when you look at PayPal or when you look at any other payment company, the idea is uh, still transactions, right? So the more money mm. they move around, uh, the more money they can make because they're providing you that service and they charge that transaction fee, okay? Or AKA right. gas fees these days. Lah. So it's a new name for it. Lah. But yeah, mm. so um, what are some of the core metrics that we should be aware of trying to understand this company? Sure. So you look at PayPal as also a payment kind of platform and any platform has two sides. So it's a merchants and the consumers. So for consumers-wise, uh, you can look at, 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 at like accounts, right? Uh, the term they use inside their, their, their uh, statements will be active accounts. And this has been growing at a rate of 16% per year. So this is Kager. So pretty decent. Um, accounts are still growing even though for a mature company, um, you would think that it would taper off and all that, right? But actually the whole market is actually growing as well. So it's really big. It's still getting going to get bigger. Um, and how big, right? Uh, we can look at the total payment volume. So total payment volume, uh, whether it's for PayPal only or for the entire market, uh, this is useful to know uh, in terms of market share, which I'll share later on. Uh, but let's say for PayPal alone, right, this TPV grows at 26% per year. Ridiculous. Like, that's, 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 transactions are growing, right? Whether it's a result of their marketing or whether it's a result of the market, it could be both. And this is a good direction to be in. To this uh, month, so what's the total, right? 719 billion US dollars of payment volume that's being processed by PayPal, right? 
And uh, how much of it is actually cross-border? It's 48 billion. So it's still rather small that it's cross-border. Mm. So you start to think that, okay, PayPal actually caters more towards like local transactions. US buyer, US seller, right? UK buyer, UK seller. And this is still okay, right? It's still growing. And if cross-border is only 48 billion, right? There's a lot of room to grow once they actually got these things resolved. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of more regulatory checks and all that, but um, basically, uh, this is where it is. Uh. And um, we also look at the number of transactions for sure. So uh, you look at the number of transactions for PayPal or you look at the number of transactions for its closest competitors. Uh, you want to take one, say it's like Apple Pay, right? Apple Pay is uh, stated to exceed 15 billion transactions per year. 15 billion. It's really, it's ridiculous, mm. right? But as for PayPal, uh, I got numbers from Q2 2020. They've already processed 13.6. Yeah. Mm. So Apple mm. Pay, uh, is, uh, you'd say it's one of the closest competitors in terms of the number of transactions. Uh, and we can ask why. Uh. So they own the hardware platform. Many people actually have one already. They just transact through their phones. At the same time, right, um, the merchants can also use this Apple Pay platform. It's not just the phone. It can be your iPad, right, to actually pay. And this is enabled through other means, not just through Apple. Uh, it, could through, it could be through Square. It could be through Stripe. It could be through other, other means as well. Um, but you can look at it as a, it's a kind of competitor. It's taking my flow away and all that. But nevertheless, PayPal is still at 13.6. It's still quite uh, significant. Yeah. Okay, so you will see Apple Pay as a competitor? I would actually. Yeah, because at okay. any time, right, they can just switch to... They, they have the gateway. They have the infrastructure. If they wanted to, right, anytime they can just switch something on and then start competing against PayPal. It's just a matter of time only. It's, it's, it's one of those things where we cover in Apple, it's like their mode, right, can eat other people. And it's, it's, yeah. it's that thing. <laughs> a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. So okay, okay. a lot of room to play uh, for Apple, but uh, basically PayPal still uh, dominates. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Not in terms of the number of transactions, but in terms of the, the whole market share. Total yeah, you look volume, at the volume, yes. you look at the, the yeah. Mm. And they've um, been they've been they've been mm. propagating uh this total volume like cross border payment for a long long time right so if you see mm. if you look at PayPal's reports since I first spotted PayPal maybe about five years ago and you know they they've been talking about this cross border payment for a very long time I just want to put it out there that for a very long time they want to say this but you're not seeing that kind of growth yet in a lot of their yeah. cross-border payment initiatives yep. it's not as simple you know like they're they doing very well locally in their own uh, markets uh, but mm. yeah it's it's not it's not like not like everything that they do is doing very well or everything that they claim that they want to do is really progressing uh, that well right? so that's something to observe yes right 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 because when it comes to cross-border uh, there's a lot of uh, checks that has to be done by government, sometimes they want to claw back that amount also that you want to transact. Mm. It's no longer an e-commerce transaction per se because this is basically a transfer. Um, and when that happens, right, some countries will just want to withhold, say like 2%, 3% of the total amount. And they're like, wow, this is like a crazy kind of tax, right? And then mm. on top of that, right, PayPal is going to charge you also. So total, right, net net, say like you lose 5%, 6%. Yeah. 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 Or you're pay in, in, in essence, you're paying 6% more uh, plus fees. Yeah. So this is something that um, PayPal also recognizes, but at the end of the day, it's not something that they can actively control because this is between mm. two governments. Uh. If this is actually reduced, it works against the governments, right? It's money just flowing out. Why you make it so cheap? Uh, you rather want to have the money tightly controlled within the country. La. Okay, so the other metrics that we can also look at is just transactions per active account. So basically, we've got the total volume, we've got the total number of active accounts, and you just get the average. Basically, higher is better. So you will know 
that um, the quality of these transactions are actually increasing. The size of it is increasing. And then um, you know that PayPal is going to collect more per transaction. So it's not just a, a number of volume, right? So this is important. Why? Because uh, basically for PayPal's infrastructure, the cost of one transaction is the same, right? So it's a flat fee. It's a flat cost also. At the end of the day, you want it to be like shooting up and to the moon, mm. right? So your transactions by active account should actually increase a lot more. La. Yeah. <laughs> allergic, allergic. I think allergic to it. <laughs> but but I, I gotta say, I gotta say, uh, I do see value in the crypto network in a sense of exactly like what you say when cross-border payments, there's the whole SWIFT ecosystem that is still being used, right? And it's mm. very costly for individuals. So at some point in time, as people go become more global and consume all over the world, they want to bring down this cross-border cost also. So uh, yeah, maybe crypto crypto networks are uh, able to do that, you know, um, and mm. we'll see. You know, you never know what, what's going to happen. But you're talking about like, everybody wants cheaper, better, right? Then yeah, maybe mm-hmm. maybe uh, the SWIFT network is a little bit old, right? So that's that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And maybe PayPal will, will benefit from this. You, you never know, right? So mm-hmm. uh, with more transactions because it's cheaper, then you will see net volume go up and all that mm-hmm. jazz, right? But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I do I do understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That one will be a slightly separate problem. Uh, and perhaps uh, it's one where the transfer wise, or, or now it's called wise, uh, would solve better. Mm. So they don't change any of the existing infrastructure. Uh, yes. They will use the, the tap on it, but they'll basically just standardize the fees uh, for everyone else. Uh. But that's a very, very different play. Uh, but of course, they're getting more users to actually do this. So. Yeah, mm. TransferWise is doing the pooling, the liquidity pooling strategy, you know, where you mm. have multiple pots of uh, cash in different places. You know, where you, you have like, oh, all this money in the US, all this money in China, all this money in Singapore, Philippines, whatever you, you don't really move mm. them cross-border, but your users get to move point to point and then you, you sit at the, in the middle of all these liquidity pool and then you charge the fees, right? But you don't actually yep. use the SWIFT network to shift money directly across, right? Yep. So that's an that's a interesting, interesting discussion uh, of what WISE is doing. And I mm-hmm. don't think PayPal would just let them keep growing like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, ho- I hope they take them on, but uh, I don't really see a lot of action there yet. Yeah, so, so the use case actually came out because um, it's a problem with the banks that they actually don't solve this well, and that's why well, WISE is tackling it. Whereas PayPal, the origins is that um, e-commerce, there was just empty ability to actually cater to this problem uh, of trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they come from very different angles. Uh, it might yeah. take some time for them to circle back and then uh, cater to it. Uh. Uh, that being said, right, um, also the number of uh, partnerships and the type of partnerships which PayPal actually goes to is important to track. So um, first and foremost, like ABA, Shopify, I think these are the basic ones. Um, as much as possible, if they have more and more partnerships, they get more volume, right? Um, the variety of goods that are transacted also will probably mean that the transactions, transactions per active account will increase. Um, ultimately, if they can cater to more like higher-end products, that will be good. Partnerships are always good. So it's free user acquisition. They don't have to ac- actively market themselves like, oh, use PayPal, use PayPal. It's a bit different. It's more like B2B. So mm. they'll just go like, oh, we are the most trusted platform. We'll help you to increase your sales. We'll help you to increase your um, order checkouts and all that, which they do have the stats to prove, uh, which is quite good. Mm. And um, also the number of countries w- which they can operate in. Uh. So, yeah. But yeah. Mm. I think, I think you, we need to be aware that uh, this does drive down their margins. Right, so mm. um, at first, there was a period of time when PayPal did not work with other people. They only do PayPal. 
right? So there mm. wasn't a lot of like Shopify integration, you know, and all that other jazz. So from the day they left eBay, they actually operated independently for a long time. And that was the time when their margins were the highest. After that, mm. they decided to go down a path of uh, doing all these collaboration, right? Directly uh, work with Shopify as an API plugin, you know, work with uh, Uber to be their backend support. Uh, for transactions and work with a lot of these companies and this has driven down their margins uh, but mm. it has increased their volume right because you know now Shopify use you you have to give Shopify a cut you know of yep. all the transactions that go through right so that's something to be aware of right? or more partnerships mm. is definitely great in the sense of like enabling more transactions to move around uh, but it does reduce the gas fees in some ways right so mm. Yeah, that's just something to be aware of. Whether or not the metrics add up, you know, uh, you can look at the financials, which we'll go through later. Mm, I like how you're using gas fees now instead of training transactions. <laughs> easier to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easier. <laughs> la. Transaction is three, three, word, uh, three syllables. But yes, transaction <laughs> fees, okay, to be exact, transaction <laughs> fees, that is still the lingo in the financial world. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. So solving a real problem here, um, I think PayPal is still the go-to lah. Yeah, even though you, you, mm. okay, you can try like using Shopify, try using WordPress and all that, and um, basically they'll just recommend you a few payment gateways, right? PayPal is just the first mm. one. Second would be Stripe, mm. right? Third would be like any other gateway. Fair, fair, fair. So yeah, what mm. what is uh, PayPal's total market size then at this moment in time? Uh, okay. So talk about the total addressable market, right? Um, this was this was provided by PayPal's management. It's hundred and ten trillion. So it's a it's it's a pretty large number. Tea, like yeah. where does it actually T? Yeah, trillion with <laughs> a T. Okay. So um where okay, what, so, what's the composite? How do they get to this market size? So so they do break it down. Uh basically all your global internet users, right? You've got two point eight trillion from e commerce, you've got twenty one point two trillion from offline or in store retail. I think this is where the, 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 the bulk of it comes. And then there's total retail, which is uh twenty four trillion. And then um, digital consumer financial services is 1.3 trillion. Peer-to-peer is another trillion. Digital services is 750 billion. Cross-border payments, 25 trillion, another big one. And domestic non-cash payments is 55 trillion. Which they suck at this moment Which, in time. They yeah. say for very long already. That's why I harp on this thing, right? They, every financial year, they tell me we want to do cross-border payment. Bigger market, bigger market. And then they still haven't cracked the code. But anyway, continue, please. Sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it forms about a quarter of their total addressable part. You, you, you can take it out totally. It's still rather large, right? Mm. But uh, you have some of these overlapping ones, which is a bit um, strange. So, like, domestic non-cash payments, like, what is that, right? It's got its own um, um, uh, uh, very specific uh, terminology for it. And then you mm. look at total retail versus, like, offline and in-store retail. So, to really segment this away, I, I'm pretty sure there's, there's some overlap into this, but uh, the number is, numbers are huge. Uh. So, let's, let's take a discount, right? Just 50 trillion. So, PayPal has 54% market share, right? according to Datanice, right? So, Datanice mm. is the data source that we look at, look up. And um, Strike has 19% of this market share. So by far, market, uh, PayPal is number one. Uh. Um, mm. But how does it actually look like? Globally, it's still rather fragmented, fragmented by the country, as we mentioned earlier, different regulations, different kinds of payment modes and all that. And um, fragmented, so there's a lot of different fintechs that jump on the bandwagon because it's easier to become a payment processor already. It's easier to, to get licensing for uh, to become a gateway and all that. There's a lot of white labels out there which you can write on. You just need a website, basically. So mm-hmm. some of these startups, they're actually doing that. But you would see them, do you actually see them as competition in, in, for PayPal? 
Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, it really depends on the specific use case. So what kind of use case you can go into? Let's say, okay, very, very niche one. Uh, you want to transact in a certain cryptocurrency on a certain website for a brief period of time. Yeah. So mm. you have those kind of very, very opportunity startups right, which does this. And PayPal just doesn't want to cater to that because it's too specific already. But there's money to mm. be made, of course. Yeah. yeah Whether it's sustainable, sure. then this is the question mark. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's okay. PayPal will acquire them. <laughs> they have a track. They have a track record of acquisitions. You know, after you yeah. get to a certain size, and it, once you integrate with them as a company, you do get some benefit, lah. You know, so I mean, yeah. there's the operational aspects of things. So I think most of the companies so far, the acquisition process is quite smooth, and they vertically integrate a lot. Uh, not mm. they don't really go too broad. They don't buy all sorts of weird things. They just buy all the payment stuff. That is like looks like it's doing better. You know, some social media mm. element to this. Then they they will kind of they will kind of buy out some of these things. So that's pretty mm. cool. But I think broadly mm. speaking, all the guys in the payment space uh, are unanimous on this idea that their biggest competition is not themselves but cash, right? So all of them are still on this uh, basis that. We are not fighting each other. Everybody has a lot of room to grow, which is pretty accurate, I would say. Um, and they are just really trying to uh, convert all the cash payments to digital. Right? So that's, mm. the, that's the biggest competition. And it's unlike uh, other industries, like maybe like Nike. If you're if you looking at Nike, then honestly, how many pairs of shoes are you going to see really expand? Right? So the market is more competitive amongst each other. You know, of course, they will say like, oh, we're doing like active wear, trying to make this a fashion, blah, blah, blah. That, that's a whole discussion another day. But you mm. see that uh, the market is, is already pretty developed to a point where competition is amongst each other. But I do think that at, in the payment space, the competition is still not amongst each other. Everybody can stand to gain. Uh, yep. And that is, uh, that is the interesting element when understanding this space. Yeah. Mm. And I think PayPal also won't anyhow just acquire... Uh, other mm. payment companies, right? Just because of the infra. Infra is not what they don't need. For. They yeah, don't need. It's, it's, they, they could spin off a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. they do, actually. There's, there's a bunch yeah. of like mini, mini um, uh, companies that spawn off uh, PayPal. But what they're looking for is really the time and the cost that's needed to, let's say, enter into a certain country or enter into a significant market. So regulatory, regulatory complexity, uh, things like... Um, like all these multi-modes of payments, you're able to go and uh, aggregate them together. This is what PayPal is looking for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, M&A is not every day just randomly buy on that. There are a lot of measurements in these kind of things. Okay, so don't, don't get me yeah. wrong on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, interesting, interesting stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Good to know, right? Um, so all that being said, like how, how are they doing financially like from their finances? Pretty good, pretty good. So revenue grew. Uh, okay, so I have the numbers from uh, December 2020. We were comparing against December 2019. Uh, revenue has grown 21%. So it's at 21.4 billion as compared to 17.7 billion, right? And um, Kager wise, so there's been growing by 18% every year since 2015. Cumulative average growth rate. Uh, I think I just need to put it out. The cumulative average growth rate. If right. you don't know what's Kager. But yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. by now... So many episodes in, you should know what's Kager. Like, but anyway, just, just saying, yes. We're slowly getting into the whole, like, uh, just use the lingo. Like, and I don't need to explain. It's just, <laughs> just, it makes it shorter. But yeah, just, you know, Zi Yeping, I just had to say that. But yes, continue, please. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, it's useful because you want to look at how much it's been growing uh, year on year. Yes. So this helps to just, like, formalize, like, hmm, okay, they've been constantly growing rather than not growing at all or very slowly. Okay, so where, did, where do these uh, revenue actually come from? Uh? So 
51% is from the US, right? Mm. 38.7% is outside US and UK, so it's all everywhere else. 11% comes from UK. Yeah. So by mm. large, it's from US. Then the rest of the countries is just like all over the place. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely not China though. So so when I say all over the place, it's, it's like, yeah, everywhere else. China Asia, has their own ecosystem. Korea, yes. Japan. Mm, mm. Uh, revenue by segment, we can look at it. At what, what's constituting most of it? Uh, by far, like, 93% is from the transaction revenues. So basically more volume, more revenue, uh, higher quality kinds of transactions is better. And the 7% comes from the other value added services. So what is value added mm. services? It can come from your referrals, your subscription, your gateway services offered to the merchants. Basically, there are certain kinds of fees that merchants also pay uh, uh, for more value adding services. Uh, so that's what they, they actually um, group this under. And then of course, there's also the interest and the fees on your loan receivables. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the wallets, um, they also have some small interest on that, but really the total of this is just 7%. Cost-wise, uh, it's 18.1 billion compared to 15 billion. So of course it's grown, but uh, they are making money, right? So operating margin, uh, we've got latest numbers from March 2021. So this is the latest as of today. It's 17.3%. Yeah. March 2020 was 8.62%. But you don't look at it as just like static, like you compare two time periods. And all. This, this actually fluctuates each quarter. Um, mm. Why though? Because there's a lot of different kinds of uh, things that they're doing. So as you mentioned, like, when they, example, pull out of eBay, the margins increase. When they go into Shopify, the margins decrease some more, but more volume and all that. But net, net, right? They are making money. Yeah, so that, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. Cash flow. So it's 5 billion compared to three point, about 3.4 billion. Uh, cash at hand, they've got about 4.7 billion as compared to 7.35 billion. So they've spent some money, of course, um, mm. acquisitions and, and stuff like that. But they've got a lot in cash. They also got a lot in their, what you call the marketable securities, basically investments. So it's worth like 6.69 billion of, as compared to 2.7 billion uh, from last time. La. What did they buy? I don't know. Could be ah, crypto. Nev- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Likelihood. Likelihood it yeah. is actually. Because um, I think before, yeah, between March and, and, and now, there were some of the reports where they actually bought some Bitcoin because they were starting to actually do the transactions in crypto also. So having that amount of flow in Bitcoin would be prudent. Uh, they wanted to do it. Interesting. That being said though, I'm not sure whether it's a correct classification under investments. So the volatility in, in, in Bitcoin also will definitely affect this portion. Uh. Um, mm, mm. Yeah, but they do have like proper cash on hand also uh, if, they, if, they, if you're looking at it, uh, the health of the company. I just read from the quarterly financials. They recently acquired this uh, cloud-based infrastructure, digital asset security-based company called Kroof. Essentially, mm. it means some, some payment platform that has ironed out this infrastructure for digital currencies, right? like cryptocurrencies. Mm. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, it's probably a very big push into it. You know, If they could put it in such a big page in their investor update. <laughs> so yeah, um, definitely a push into the whole crypto space, where, which probably rendered their share price increase pretty massively. So a, a lot of investors are paying a premium for this, whether is it in Square, whether is it uh, with uh, PayPal, you know, uh, ever since anybody say they want to do some crypto thing, suddenly their share price will fly. Uh, whether or mm. not it is, is it ahead of itself, uh, that's uh, up for you to decide, right? But at the core, I think 
for PayPal as a business, they're just further integrating all the additional new ways to pay, right? Whatever that they feel mm. um, is, is the future of payment and that it's smarter to just acquire, they will spend and acquire. So I think that's kind of right. where it is. Mm. That did grow, grow la. so it's 9 billion as compared to 5.4 billion. Well, that is cheap. They've got a lot of float, they've got a lot of cash, just borrow. La. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but if they did wanted to, they could pay it down. Um, likelihood is that they won't. <laughs> mm. For for a payments company or any finance company, you just uh, make use of the leverage. La. Yeah. Yes. If you think about it, they, they charge their guys, right? And they're also providing capital at this moment in time. They're exploring this mm. whole capital provision uh, system in the sense of mm. they're not alone, okay? Like Shopify, Square, PayPal, they're all providing some sort of like Shopify Capital, Square Capital, PayPal Capital, whatever shit name it is, essentially just mm. means that because I know the amount of transfers, I know the amount of uh, volume that a merchant is actually having, I can have some sort of model to tell me like based on the risk profile, how much money can I lend this guy so that they can reliably mm. repay me. All of them are exploring this uh, capital business. It's still a very small part of all of their business. Uh, mostly they're all still in their core business, whether it's Square for the POS system, uh, Shopify mm-hmm. for the e-commerce, what have you. But capital is becoming an interesting business for all of them. Uh, so I think mm. PayPal is also in this, also trying to push this space. Interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, lastly, earnings per share or diluted number of shares. It's $3.54 as compared to $2. So they've definitely yeah. grown. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so did they buy back shares? Probably so. Uh. Mm-mm-mm. It's good, good to know, good to know. Let's go into uh, the management then. Okay, wait, wait, before we go there, how would you rate the financials based on your understanding of uh, this company? Pretty healthy. For me only, I think it's the crypto portion. La. Like, is it the correct classification and do they want to put in that much or so? Yeah, it's not, it's not like an all-in kind of decision for them. So it's, I, think, I think it's still rather okay. Um, mm-hmm. Health-wise, debt-wise, I think it's okay also, yeah. But considering that interest rates are likely to increase by 2022, right? Um, they might want to pay down more. Lah. <laughs> yeah. That's your, your, your view of managing debts. Lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I think capital is well allocated. Uh, they definitely know what they're doing. They're still growing as well. Health-wise, it's okay. Yeah. Valuation-wise, then it's another discussion altogether. Yeah. Of course, uh, depends on the model. But yeah, okay. That's good. Uh, I did a quick search on Guru Focus. So shares outstanding uh, remain more or less the same. More or less the same. There's no, there's no real change in the shares outstanding. Um, so that's, that's uh, pretty cool, right? So no, no real increase in, no significant increase in uh, equity. That means they're not diluting you, but they're definitely taking out more debt. So earning per shares goes up means the company is really doing pretty well. That's good stuff. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's just look into management of the company, right? So they used to start with some superstar team, right? Where are they now? The superstar team have went on to build other stars. <laughs> la. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter Tell, Elon Musk, Reed Hoffman, everybody has just went on to do all sorts of other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, we, we know Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, mm. uh, prominent VC, uh, Max Lefchin. Okay, David Sachs went on to, to form me. Yammer sold it to Microsoft. And then there's uh, Rolev Botha, also a prominent VC in Sequoia Capital. Um, Steve Chen went to found YouTube. And then uh, Wright Hoffman, uh, that's for LinkedIn. Also the early investor to Facebook, Zynga, and all that. Uh, Ishan Wong is the CEO of Reddit, still is. Yeah. So um, 
you call these people the okay, PayPal uh. mafia? <laughs> no lah, no lah, no. Uh, in 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 internet forums and all that, they are they are they are, they are called the PayPal mafia. Uh, but basically, okay, they, uh, okay. they they really form the base of the rest of uh, a lot of prominent uh, companies lah, and they're quite influential yeah. also. So um, yeah, very very strong team last time. Also quite strong team now. Um, so not going into all like very specifics and all that, but basically CEO strong lah. He is the Glassdoor's top fifty CEO. Right, so mm-hmm. that's actually quite hard to get. Um, he was also group president at American Express and Priceline Group, um, both listed companies. Uh, also part of the World Economic Forum and the advisory council member of Singapore's EDB. Yeah, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's quite interesting. I also didn't know that. Um, and then the chief product officer. There's a lot of AT and T alumni, right? Uh, CEO, mm-hmm. chief product officer were from there. Um, they do have a CTO, so he was previously from C- uh, eBay, and then uh, lots of history there also, and then um, contributing directly to PayPal as well. So even though uh, PayPal doesn't really support eBay um, uh, on a dedicated basis, really, but he's still there, so that's good. And um, yeah, so quite a reliable team. Uh. I think it's it's all um, I would say more corporate management. There's the, the you don't see any more of the founders really being managing the team. But uh, mm. they've left them in good hands, lah. Yeah. Okay. Dan Shulman, uh, that's the CEO today. But yeah, I think uh, mm. all the founders are just too wild, lah. A lot very hard for all these guys that are currently managing to be of the same league. But I, I think overall, it looks like the management is doing fine. I still want to hop mm. on the idea that total cross border payment have not increased a lot. <laughs> mm. But yes, let's see. Let's see. Oh, but uh, you know, Stripe right was actually um funded. By Peter Thiel and Elon Musk after they left. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah, it's a world of business, all sorts of interesting things. But yeah, yeah uh, Stripe is definitely one of the growing, you know, competitor in this space. So let's see how PayPal continues to chug along. Right. Overall, mm-hmm. definitely they are a big business. Like, I think we cannot discount that you know that they are one of the largest. They do have a very good brand in terms of like oh they are pretty um, reliable and all that jazz. So that is that is all the advantage, right? But mm. uh, all that being said, it's not it's not a space without competition. But I think all of them still believe that yeah it's, the main competition is cash. Uh. So if as long as they can keep growing transaction volume, keep acquiring customers. Um, keep having more customers transact more, it will become very sticky. Right? I, I, I feel based on payments, that is the kind of observation that I have. I don't really mm. shop around for payment platforms. Right? So, it, I mean, just on the simple like pay, pay la and pay now kind of thing, right? I, I just use pay la. I'm just so used to it and people ask me about pay now, Google pay, I say, I don't want la. You know, so the I, just generally, I think when it comes to payment, it's a lot stickier once you can get the consumer mm. to trust it over time. So I think same for merchants, same for a lot of uh, other people that use payment platforms. So there's a very interesting psyche here at play. It's not like mm. any other SaaS product or some marketplace kind of thing. You know, you will shop around different marketplaces, but for payment, yeah. interestingly, people just find that most reliable one that they're used to and then they just kind of stick to it. Alright, so yep. that's a interesting psyche there. It's not it's nothing technical, you know. It's not like it's not like cheap cheaper per se, not like easier. It's just comfort. Right. So that's mm. uh something to note.
Actually, that, that, that's an interesting point. Uh, I just want to build on that because for PayPal, right, it's primarily web. They're trying to go into mobile as well. Um, as you may know, mobile users are going to increase until to the point where it's, it, it really is a lot more than just the web users. But uh, you think of like point of sales when you go retail, you go in, nowadays you just tap, right? It's like a, a NFC kind of payment. And that usually gets processed by either Google Pay, Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, right? It just bypasses PayPal already. Then you look at a point where you are transacting for things online. Let's say e-commerce platforms, also on your mobile, right? You also see the same names, eh? Like, but usually it's Google Pay or Apple Pay or uh, maybe it's like a bank transfer already. PayPal is not mm. actually there. Yeah. Mm, so mm, mm. primarily, right, their foothold is still on the e-commerce websites, browser base. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you won't see like, oh, when you tap, right, and then you see, oh, the PayPal logo come out. Nope. <laughs> but they are trying yeah. to do that in the US. They're trying to do that in the UK. So that's where um, they are stronger. La. But for the other markets really, right, um, the bigger players have actually gone in because of their foothold on the device itself. Yeah. Yes, yes. That is uh, definitely a reality. Um, that is... Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that that is the case, right? So it's something to note whether or not PayPal will make a move into it. Just keep observing mm. what the CEO says and whether do they keep up with uh, what they want to do. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yeah, I've been following the company for a while, so I, I kind of just kind of know what they promise, what's their plan, and then like look at their results. So overall, I would still say it's a pretty uh, strong business. Whether or not mm. it can continue to keep growing and stay relevant in all sorts of new ways of payment that people are doing, uh, that is the whole different discussion. Right? And mm. we can definitely keep digging down this whole, like all the new interesting payment guys in the space. Uh, yeah, we can do that another time. Yeah, so, but mm. specifically for PayPal alone, like what are some of the modes that you've observed you know, as a company? Trust, right? That's the number one thing, is the brand that they've already built. I think this is um, something that cannot be ignored. Uh, people still recognize that if you transact through PayPal, you want to pay through stuff on the internet, it's still one of the names, right? Uh, another thing is also they are more entrenched than the credit or debit cards in all geographies, minus China, of course. Um, so there are some stats, 78% use PayPal as compared to 48% using credit cards or 45% using debit cards, right? So that's interesting. Hmm, why? Because you wouldn't use credit card to pay directly. Ma. It's just like you, won't, you don't want to put your number all the time on multiple e-commerce platforms. Even though I know some people who do that, but uh, for the PayPal users, really, they just enter it once through PayPal and they let PayPal actually do the processing. So that trust factor actually lends quite a lot of uh, use cases and um, wherever PayPal is, that's where um, people are comfortable with and they don't actually uh, move out of it. There's also network effects. Uh, so merchants do actually benefit from using PayPal and they have the stats to prove it. So the merchants that use PayPal, right? They have 17% more repeat buyers, 34% more checkouts, the users actually spend 12% more, and the net proposal score of merchants increased by 14%. These are marketing metrics. And then PayPal users buy 11% more when PayPal is actually accepted on the storefronts. Ah, so there is actually a benefit to using PayPal as compared to other kinds of sources. Maybe people are not familiar with it because you also have to look at the consumer perspective, right? And then um, for credit cards also, people do pay, but... Not as often, not as often, yeah. So this ability, right, to really drive the return interactions, increase this order value, it has a lot of value add to the merchants and that holds a lot of merchants, right, which still wants to stay with PayPal rather than Stripe. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Stripe, you say like, oh, very complicated, you need to set up this and that and all that. Actually, right, Stripe caters to a different user base. They are more developer-centric. 
there's a lot more yes. customization you can do, right? But yes. you just want your shop, you just want people to start paying you. Hey, PayPal lah. Yeah, why you go to all so much trouble to go and set up Stripe and all that? Ah, until you get to the point where you want more customized kind of plans. So um, I think Stripe, they are able to do more customized subscriptions. So you're able to like upgrade users, downgrade, and then like do a like special kind of refund, do a special kind of package mm. and all that, which PayPal mm. can't do. But of course, it's meant for the advanced users. Lah. Yeah. So they are really catering to, to a separate market, even though say, yeah, payment processor, what's the difference? Yeah, but one is really developer-centric, which is Stripe, and another is more uh, friendly. Lah. So that's PayPal. Yeah. Uh, strong fundamentals. I, I'll put this as a mode as well, because if you compare to the rest of the startups that's trying to eat into the market, uh, number one, the space is growing, right? And when the space is growing, as you mentioned, the cash is actually the number one enemy. So you need a substantial cash base to operate from not burning investors' cash. This is a different thing. So PayPal could be seen like, oh, they're always like issuing more and more shares, right, to go and finance, but they're not. They're actually financing their main operations through their main operations, lah. So yeah, cash the <laughs> So so they are, they are, for the startups, right? They're actually burning the cash to enter. Putting as much promotions as possible, putting like even free money. You see like Google Pay, they just want to acquire more users. For the first Crazy. say like three, but four yes. months, right? They're just giving people yeah. like at least average lah, for until you use until now, hundred dollars, right? You've been using yeah, consistently. Yeah. And um this is ridiculous. Lah. So if you're just going to be startup, you raise money and you spend, say, like 20% of the budget under marketing uh, to get more and more users and at the end of the day, hoping to be acquired, that will not be uh, a, a very valid strategy. Lah, yeah. Because if you have existing players really, not just for PayPal, but for Apple, for Google and all that, you're really fighting against the giants who are just funding this based off their own operation. Lah, yeah. um, Users-wise, it's not that sticky if you don't have the brand to begin with. Yeah. Uh, mm, mm. Again, like if you're already used to something, it's very difficult to actually pull people out of it. So yeah. if um, PayPal is able to get the trust of also the mobile users for tapping uh, at point of sales and even for like e-commerce, right? Then um, it's going to get even stronger. So this network effect is it, it coincides uh, that they don't need to work as hard to actually to um, protect their own market. It really does it for them. It reinforces. Uh, if you want to transact with uh, merchants, you have PayPal. If you want to transfer money to other people with the PayPal wallet, you have that as well. Yeah. Well, of course, um, there's a transfer-wise side of it where you want to do cross-border transfer. Uh, that, that's the part where PayPal has uh, less mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think even, even from the consumer mobile payment side of things, uh, the UI mm. and the experience on PayPal is not as, not as big. You know? And the offline merchants, they are not adopting as much uh, for mm. PayPal. So that that's, uh, I mean, you could say it's a growth opportunity. You could say it is uh, something that they're going to miss out and they may lose a trend uh, and, and all that jazz. You, you don't know, right? So mm. uh, all, all that being said, I think uh, I agree that they have a lot of modes uh, that are not easy to get lah, to begin with. I mean, they're one of the largest, in fact, they are probably the largest payment processor to date for all the online commerce. Uh, so that's uh, very cool. But overall, do you, you know, just kind of sum up today? I mean, we talk about all these different things. Um, mm. What are some opportunities and risk factors that you see, you know, in, in PayPal as a business? So PayPal, they can do one thing very simple, just raise the processing fees, right? Anytime they want to do that. But of course, uh, there's going to be some backlash. Lah. But it's very opportunistic, right? So they actually are a kind of trader so. They just see which country they want to just uh, raise a transaction fee. They can do that. 
um, if they know that the rest of the competitors are pulling out, right? They can also do that for the consumer side when they actually want to transfer between the wallets. So now they make it free. La. But let's say they start charging interest or oh, you don't use your money in the wallet, right? I'm going to take it all back. Ooh, mm. okay. So that ultimately just incentivizes people to just spend, which means that, that you can increase the number of transactions. So this same trick was done um, in some countries. I, I forgot which country, but basically this mechanism whereby you start charging people uh, negative interest. So if they keep their money in the bank for a certain amount of time, right? They actually lose the money. So it's ah. trying to get people more and more to spend. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, sorry. This was Japan. So negative interest, especially for the uh, corporations. So they are more inclined to actually not keep money inside the bank. I don't know where they're keeping it. Maybe in cash, likely. Yeah, but this this happens. Uh, this happens. So they are more inclined to actually use it in some way. The Japanese are getting weirder and weirder in my head, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the economic policy didn't work out so well. Uh. So um, that's a different story because it's a country uh, level. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even let me put my money at peace. But anyway, yes, yes. continue, continue. Yeah. So uh, it, this work, it can work well if you still have control over the wallets. Uh. So people are more inclined to spend. Uh, same thing with the concept of uh, your flyer mouse, right? So you have, let's say, like 10,000 flyer mouse that's going to expire already. Um, not saying now, let's say once COVID is, is, is more stabilized, like endemic already, we are traveling. You want to use your mouse, right? You want to spend. So same thing for, for, for that. Uh, people can do this with just a, a simple trick. There's other areas which PayPal is also uh, able to grow, which is the QR code payments. Okay, maybe in Asia, it's more common now because actually we have leapfrog. We have leapfrog the, the point where we actually need to go through some other processor. You know, the banks... And the, some of the payment gateways have already worked together to have a standardized QR code. In Singapore, that's like your pay now. Yeah. And then with one QR code, you can go through any kinds of payment um, gateway or payment uh, app and then just make the payment. But in the US and the UK, maybe other parts also, they don't have this yet. So this is relatively new. And uh, it's not some place where uh, other competitors has actually done well yet. Yeah. So... In Singapore alone, it's a pretty small market and not as many players as compared to, say, like Vietnam, which has like 100 over different payment providers. Imagine how many different icons that you have to have, right? Now imagine the US, imagine the UK. Yeah, it's, it's tons more, tons more. Yeah. So this, although it's like pretty lame, like, just put a QR code. It's actually a big thing for PayPal. A lot more can be processed uh, on the retail side. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the NFC-enabled application. So this is partnerships with Samsung and Google, um, again, with the, the point of sales kind of things. Uh, quite lame, but it's a big thing for PayPal. Okay, you might know, like, okay, there's no, like, really broad strokes which PayPal is trying to do. Maybe crypto is one of them and all that, but it doesn't go very far from their core business. Basically, increase the number of transactions, increase the, the, the size of the transactions. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, for risk, definitely there's risk from different kinds of competitors, the big players especially. So Apple Pay being one of them, it's really uh, on par, if not exceeding the number of transactions per year, uh, even though it's retail. Uh, but anytime they can just switch something on and then you can start attacking PayPal's market also. Fintech startups, uh, it's more localized, but uh, it's definitely cutting out PayPal already because once you leapfrog and PayPal is still at the level of infrastructure which caters to only certain markets, right? You can't cater to that market anymore. People's usage of uh, payment gateways, right? is very different already. They just want to get it as seamless as possible. They don't need to go through um, PayPal. So it very much could be just PayPal stuck to e-commerce on the web. Yeah. Which is also okay until the e-commerce trend starts to shift la, towards, say, like maybe purely app-based. Then that will be very different mm. already. So it follows the device, yeah. actually. It follows the users. 
biggest competitor I think would, other than Apple would be Stripe. So whether the developer-centric model is going to really take off, more people learn how to code, more people learn how to really customize this, maybe Stripe even begins starts to uh, make it easier to become more generic as a service, right? They could do that. Uh, I think it's just a marketing thing. So I think the competition risk is there. The country risk, regulatory risk always remains. Um, anytime, let's say, a big market decides to say that, oh, uh, we're not going to use PayPal anymore, sorry. And then, yeah, that's it. For some reason, PayPal has been found out that the crypto payments that they're making is doing some anti-money laundering thing. And the country can say that, oh, okay, we're going to um, stop people from using PayPal until the investigations have closed. I'm just speculating, mm-hmm. okay? Something like that could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a fair, risk. Fair. Yeah, other developing markets also, they use um, cash primarily. So say like Philippines. So they actually pay for e-commerce transactions, right? With physical cash transfers at like a convenience store. 7-Eleven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so markets really operate very, very differently. And it's very, very localized. Lah. Basically, PayPal size works against it. So they won't cater to this market even though there's opportunity because they are busy doing other things elsewhere. There's a lot of other things that mm. need their attention, things like the regulation and all that. It remains to be seen if these fintech players can actually take away the market share completely. Yeah, At some mm. point, PayPal will also try, la, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, the, it's a matter of focus. Um, yeah. Cyber attacks also. So yeah, I think this this is the, the bug of it. La. Fair, fair. I, I do think that based on the consumer experience, based on the consumer habits, how consumer consume, it will really change the way payments are working, right? So whether is it NFC, whether it's a QR code, whether is it like everybody going on mobiles and mm. you see every single major mobile platform having their own, you know, checkout, having their own transaction pay- payment system and they're all building on all sorts of other infrastructure. Whether are they using Visa Master infrastructure or whether are they directly doing their own, whether they're building on PayPal and all that, uh, you, you will start to see a lot more localized kind of checkout arrangements, you know, in a lot of these apps, whether is it Shopee, mm. Lazada, or whether is it, you know, physically at a certain space. So yeah. I think one thing to be very aware of is, you know, that payments really change with consumer habits. And PayPal was uh, the giant of its time. Whether or not mm. it can continue to stay sticky and all that, that one you have to keep observing. But at least at this point in time, uh, they look fine. As a business, they look they look like they're doing well. Mm. Um, that means they are they're they're shooting out cash lah, and then they can do a lot of things lah in that sense. <laughs> but yeah, definitely not like Apple lah. Apple got more cash. Lah. The the shoot the shoot mm. even crazier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's uh that's all that's all then for today. Any any last things you want to add before we yeah. end it today? Why you don't use Google Pay ah? Hey, I don't know, man. I just find that yeah, I don't waste my time, lah. Never mind. It's just another payment thing, you know. But I know there was a period of time. App, just they, find they people by giving... the number. Then yeah. I know. You I know. But I just NFC or QR code. Exactly, but I don't. I'm an Apple user. I think that's partly one of it. Ah, then, okay. Yeah, okay, I was, okay. I'm an Apple user. That's one of it. So like Apple has an ecosystem, right? So but whether or not can it transfer into other platform? Probably not, lah. Uh, so as an Apple user, no no real desire to like do the whole Google thing. And I was traveling a lot at a point in time when Google was pushing a lot here. Uh, mm. So I didn't have a stable phone number. I actually have multiple phone numbers. Uh, so that also does not help when you have multiple phone numbers. And yeah, multiple bank accounts. I got a lot of bank accounts. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, different damn. countries, different numbers, and yeah, because at the point in time when they were pushing, I was all around. So that's mm-hmm. China, Malaysia, what have you lah. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it is, and which is why I think there's a whole U trip. There's a whole like guys that are doing right. this multi currency. You know, all those things. Uh, then that would be pretty interesting. Uh, but I also never use it. Uh. <laughs> Maybe I just don't consume a lot. You, you never know. But uh, I'm definitely... I would classify myself as a consumer normally. Uh. So you cannot take me as the benchmark. And I'm very aware of it. So whenever I analyze company, I don't use me, you know, as the, as the ideal customer, as a, as a benchmark. Uh, yeah. But yeah, all that being said, I'm just very lazy and stick to whatever platform that I'm used to. And... Mm a lot of all these guys don't give me sufficient upside you know to, to jump mm. yeah interesting that's insight. my take mm. Apple's walk garden is working <laughs> yeah it's working really mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah. if you have not heard the Apple episode please go and listen to the Apple episode so yeah take care guys thanks for tuning in see ya bye bye Hey Coconut, so I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.